Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we collaboratively create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with highfalutin heartthrob Chris Prunty. Ladies. In our last episode, we talked about unique threats to the Land of a Thousand Gods, introducing monsters who consume the flesh of the faithful, semi-sentient storms that may or may not be some sort of vengeful god, and the totally innocent hyper-capitalist beekeeper guild. In today's episode, we're talking about planes, wheels, trees, and even turtles as we talk about the planar and cosmological implications of our world. We're breaking down where and how people go when they die, as well as what and how the other planes in the universe work. But before we dive into our main topic, let's go back a bit and talk about some of the comments we received about threats. Chris, take it away. Helpful hunk. Hey. I love anything. You know, that's that's actually almost what I went with this time because I saw that. And uh, it is the H episode. I might just do helpful hunk, but you know, hunk of love. But anyhow, uh, what is what does helpful hunk say? Helpful hunk says, "I love anything along the lines of truckers, kobolds, Tucker's kobolds, kobolds, Tucker's kobolds." I'm keeping all of this. I hate you. <laughs> I always fu- I I just call them lizard people or like it's kobolds. Tiny. I know. For some reason, I've always struggled with that word. Yeah. Oh, man. Imagine if you had to fight a bunch of kobolds in a cairn. <laughs> Where they're weaker but entrenched and cunning enemies and they make uh, hell for the more powerful PCs. I've, I've heard of this. I love it. I love the traps and everything. Yeah. I, I've, I've also heard of this. This is a fairly infamous story from all sorts of things. I brought. I wanted to highlight this topic or this comment specifically because it encapsulates a lot of what we were talking about in last episode where I love the idea that this is a smart, intelligent monster that takes advantage of its environment. So that way we're taking, you know, multiple threats, rolling them into one Yeah. because the environment is really important. And I think that that's why I wanted to make an environmental threat part of what we talked about and made sure of it. And not just, you know, like, Oh, this is a lair that has like a statue that falls over, but moreover something that is inherent to the world itself. Yeah. I also feel like it's very important to always do this. I remember in a campaign that I ran a long time ago, people were just like, all right, yeah, we're going to camp out in the dungeon. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to lock the doors. And I'm like, all right, well, they're now putting up firewood and everything. And they're just going to seal that in and cook you alive in here. And now, now you've set your own trap. Right. Or, or they've like, Oh yeah, we, we actually kind of funneled you into what you thought would be a safe room. We're just going to dump a whole ton of nasty shit on top of you now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that idea. And I love making sure that, you know, there's something kind of sadistically or some kind of sadistic pleasure to be taken when you take a really high level party and you just kind of wipe them with somewhat low level stuff. I, I always appreciate that. You, you sadist. I, a bit. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I just, something about it is just really fun. Uh, now onto the next one from 99 ups. This is one that I want to talk about as well, because he said, or they say embarrassment is often overlooked and the threat of failure too often, combat is in a private cave somewhere and to the death. What about a musketeer-style brawl in the streets? The loser gets jeered till the next big event. I love this idea. Yeah. I, I always try and make this type of combat, this type of idea, the idea of reputation mattering in games. I don't think it happens enough. 
I think that in certain games it's baked in, but I think in the, you know, kind of standard D&D thing, you, it, it's not really codified. It's not really a thing. It's more of an intangible that game masters and storytellers kind of have to create on the fly, so to speak. I've never played it. Uh, I did borrow the book from a friend and read it many, many times, but Legend of the Five Rings, where honor oh, yeah. and somehow just having tea with someone can be just as tense as fighting a demon because it's just like, oh, uh, oh, no, oh, no, we've made a, a slight in front of everyone, and now they yeah. know, and now everyone's talking about it. I can never make show my face in, in court again. Exactly. That's part of the fun of the system is kind of getting used to, you know, the ins and outs of the... And that's why when whenever I do kind of city games and stuff like that, I always make sure that reputation matters because it's a matter of who do you have good reputation with, who do you have bad reputation with. I like the idea... One of the biggest things that I want to talk about when it comes to this is the idea that, and actually we can even talk about this a little bit in the terms of a city's, you know, kind of thing. It's a matter of how do you make a city feel more livable? You have reputation. Let's say that you get in good with a specific guild. Now, when you go to that guild control area, you get a discount, you get, you know, like friendly, you can recruit people a little bit more easily. And meanwhile, for the enemy guild, it's quite the opposite. It's Perhaps not necessarily hostile territory. It's not like you're going to be attacked in the street, but it could be close. But it, it can also be very fun where you have like a lawful good character who decides to be outspoken, challenge the tyrants of the city or the corrupt officials. And Absolutely. suddenly they're seen as a bad person. They're seen as a terrorist. They're seen as like an outspoken outsider. Meanwhile, yeah. someone else could be literally a serial killer, but it's just like, no, I, I, I'm an upstanding member of the community because I I respect those above me. Well, I mean, it's a matter of that 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 is a great way for a villain who might not be combat capable to take down a very heavy combat capable character. Not through attacking them, you know, through the HP, but through the reputation. If you start a smear campaign and all of a sudden your alleged hero is now a rapist, is now some kind of a child murderer, make them whatever evil shit that you want to make them, they're going to start getting, like, jeered and attacked in the streets by, like, little old ladies, basically. That's what I want to go with. One of the the things that I really like, but in Dexter, where Dexter just heads butts, uh, dokes the police officer who thought he was guilty, and then Dexter just runs out into a public space and then starts acting normal. And then Dokes just tackles him and starts beating the crap out of him. And everyone's just like, what's wrong with you, man? Why did you just attack him out of nowhere? Just like, I don't know. I was, I was just getting donuts, guys. He's a madman. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. What, what season was that? The good season. So, like, before four, Dokes was still alive. Maybe season one or two. Two, because he found out about him by then. He never got the... In the books, Dokes gets it real bad. He gets, like, somewhat... Uh, not dismembered, but he gets, oh, like, the show, pieces cut off. The show. Him. He blows up. He blows up. Literally blows up. In a cabin. Okay, it sounds bad because that sounds dumb, but the books go even dumber. I don't know if you know You told this. me that there were demons. There are literal uh, Babylonian demons. Yeah. 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 What we will not have in our cosmological wheel is our ba Babylonian demons. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that just wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into our main topic, which is going to be all about the planes, the cosmological, the extra planar, 
the life and the death and the undeath of how that works in our system. Yeah. So where did you want to start? Yeah. The, one of the ideas that we had been spitballing back and forth, and I think this is really important to start with is how the planes work. I had, I feel like I've been pretty adamant about, I don't want there to be a, a wheel like in traditional settings. I don't want there to be, okay, this is the plane. This is the main prime material plane. This is the land of hungry ghosts. Yeah. And then over here is like air, water, fire, shadow, celestial punch dimension, demons and devils. Yes, exactly. No punch dimension here. What I want, because I feel like that's kind of tired and I feel like that's kind of like, it's a different game than what we're looking for. I feel like, the land of a thousand gods is already interesting enough. I don't think we need demons and angels and fire elementals and stuff like that. I feel like what we have now is already interesting enough and we don't need to pull from other stuff. So my idea is more or less based on comic books. Oh, I see what you mean. The whole 616 multiverse. Exactly. Instead of doing material planes and elemental planes, I want to do... a a multiverse every time like there's a near infinite amount of universes all lined up next to each other. When someone dies in our universe, the soul is released and moves over to the next the the next uh, universe. And then it's essentially like a clock. Every death is every, every left or to the right or I guess directions don't really make sense in that. Yes. And I like this idea for a number of reasons. One, it solves our issue about the, the land of the dead. It solves our issue about life and death and how we ever, how all of the gods would have competing dogmas about how that works. Now, how much they know about what actually happens to the soul when it dies is something we can get into later. Yeah, and I think what mortals know, what gods know, and what, well, for all intents and purposes, the Ashenborn know mm-hmm. would be quite different. So interesting you say that because the Ashenborn are something that I had in mind when I was talking about, or when I was thinking about this idea. Specifically with the Ashenborn, when I talk about, because now we're talking about a, a great wheel of reincarnation, right? Every regular soul. Just said you wanted a quote. Wheel. Yeah, you're right. Every regular soul, air quotes for those who can't see me right now, which is all of you except Chris, every regular soul is essentially moving on. Every life, it moves to the next plane almost near infinitely. You know, sometimes there are gaps from devastated worlds and whatnot, but for the most part, it moves to the next plane, the next universe where it inhabits a new life and starts over. Whereas the Ashenborn, there's something wrong with them. You know, again, air quotes. Because they're trapped in this. They're anchored to a specific universal plane. And that's the interesting idea because where everyone else kind of, you don't know what happens in that next lifetime. The Ashenborn kind of know. And they kind of have an idea like, oh, wait a minute. I This seems vaguely familiar. I know this area. I know this world. I know how this works. I think it's a really fun thing to kind of build into that. And I think it really works with how, again, the cosmology would work. All right. Uh, one of the other things that I would say is very important is 
can people travel between these realms, these dimensions? Is it hard? Is it easy? Is it impossible? Can the gods do it? Yes. Uh, I want to say yes to that because... To the gods or to all of the above? A, a little bit of both. Because I want it to be mostly a... There are natural... You know, in 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 the real world, there are places that are perceived to have higher rates of, you know, magical or, you know, supernatural, let's say. Yeah, they can be a place on the highway where they say gravity isn't the way it's supposed to, or it could be or even something a, like what I was telling you with the uh, Gardens of Versailles. Right, where it's a matter of, okay, there's something weird about this particular area where things are really thin between worlds. I wanted that to play into it, where there are naturally parts of the world where, yeah, things are a little bit wonky. Things are a little bit weird and a little bit closer to different planes. And the other idea that I had, because I love the idea of this kind of, you can shift and you might not even know, or you might not even realize that you've walked into another universe because again, so, so similar comparatively speaking, but the idea is, well, of course we can now introduce cosmic horror into our setting in this form of a, and again, I wanted to throw back to our first episode where we were talking about a God blob, a God that is essentially consuming, forcibly creating divine coalescences with other gods. And I want this God to essentially be like Shumagorath, where it is all consuming and it goes from planet to planet and just shifts each timeline or each universe and consumes another world and it sends out these emissaries and it sends out these scouts and it sends out these feelers from world to world to world. And it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, our, our God won't be here for another eon, but it's always good to get started. Oh, I could also see like the strange death cults that would form under that of just like, no, they're the end times are coming not for a long time, but they're coming. I love that. And not only that, but when you said strange death cult, my brain immediately went to, Imagine that there is, yes, there's the God blob cult, which is, oh yeah, we're ready for this. We're making sure that our defenses are weak for when our God is here. But there's also... Submit now and be the first to die. <laughs> you won't die painfully and slow like the rest of you. What I was thinking, actually. Imagine that there is a subcult or a, sec a separate cult. Different sect. No, no, no. That knows that this God is coming. And what they do is essentially commit suicide or kill themselves to shift to that next plane because somehow they've gathered this forbidden knowledge that they understand how reincarnation works. And now that they understand this, the only way they can escape from pure, you know, from absolute devastation is just shifting over. It's the only thing that they can do. Mm -hmm. I do like that. I also like to think that they would find a way with their knowledge to skip more than just one or two, but yes. be like, all right, well, we tried 200. Let's try 400 this time. I, I think that's, I think that's part of it. It's a matter of finding the cracks and exploring and then committing suicide. One, or one thing or I'm curious, assuming that they exist on multiple planes or maybe the plane that we're talking, the primary plane, Ashenborn, what happens to them in those worlds? They're anchored to them. Yeah, I, I think that they're just consumed and subjugated by the god blob at that mm. point. It's it's in probably a miserable existence because, you know... Horrible. Yeah, I, although I could even see them as... I could even see some Ashenborn as leading these cults. 
you know, because they're like the stewards. They're the ones who know this knowledge. They were the first ones to understand the circle of rebirth or the uh, yeah. cycle. I mean, even potentially they could be like these Ashenborn could just be part of that cult from from when they pass over. Let's say that there's an Ashenborn that is suddenly exists and is like, oh, no, I'm now anchored. I must tell everyone about what's coming. <laughs> now you have these like, I think that's super cool. I think that you have these, you know, these death prophet Ashenborn who all all I am here to do is to let you know what is coming and because and because I cannot pass, what do you do at that point? Like, wh- wh- like maybe, maybe. Yeah, you either accept it or you try and find people to fight it, or you try and destroy that plane of existence Just to make before. sure. Yeah, yeah. You know what's better than being absorbed into a chaotic blob of gods? Annihilation, starving it, <laughs> starving it. making sure that this is the only way. These are pure nihilists because this is the only way. To, it's it's a matter of war, right? Don't care about anything. Oh, man. But yes, so th- what this does is it allows us to go, I mean, again, if we're talking in a, co- in a, in a comic book sense, we're now able to take the, the planet that we have and now we can now look beyond and look at all of the cosmic level stuff that's going on out there. And, and then that allows us to, okay, that exists. We're aware of it. It allows all sorts of cool little plot hooks. What does having the multi-planar and like the multi-universe thing do for us in terms of a setting where you can travel between the worlds and whatnot? What would you do if you had the ability to travel to a universe or a life or a world extremely similar to ours, but in slight variations? So I would make want to make it incredibly difficult to do incredibly rare because if you make it super common then you have like a planescape thing going on where the entire campaign or story is now about traversing through all of these planes which if that's what you want to do that's what it's going to be about in which case you have your uh mcguffin that allows you to transfer from dimensions Mm -hmm. whereas i like the aspect of where it is an element that can be thrown into things it's it can be chaotic. The people who know it are super secretive about it or it's barely understood. I want it to where someone is traveling down and maybe they are not even aware that they're going into a different uh, sidestepping into a dimension. That they're walking through some place and they thought that they were in a town and then suddenly they step over to the right and it's like, oh, what's this valley doing here? This yeah. valley shouldn't be... I'm lost. What's going on? And then they recount their steps they go through all this they travel for a while and and it's even more bizarre if people are just like there there was never a town there man what are you talking about it's just Mm. like but my family's from there i i like that and i I like well first of all i want to talk about the idea that yes it's going to be difficult because if everyone were able to do it then you'd have like you're you're right a planescape situation i had the idea in mind that it would be extremely rare and perhaps a one-way ticket so you're not able to jump back once you go for once you travel to that plane, because now that adds all sorts of high stakes to when you actually do plane shift or when you do move over mm-hmm. and think of it like a booster gold situation where he comes from the future and to, to become a superhero, basically. Right. Imagine that that's kind of the same thing. You gather up all of the magical energy or um, you gather up all sorts of relics from one universe and then you plane shift and now you're supposed to be, 
you know, super powerful in this new one, or maybe it's a little bit different. Hell, that could even be uh, the unknown origin of some of the gods. They just transferred thousands of layers above. Yeah. Okay. I could, I can see that. But that actually brings us to a good point. How do the gods fit into this multiple expanding universe? I think that's kind of the toughest idea is that are these essential, are they essentially anchors that, that are constant throughout each universe or is it work a little bit differently where, because where, where we are right now, the gods essentially can be killed and can be destroyed and can be repurposed. Yeah. I'm liking the fact of if the multiverse explains some of the weaknesses, strengths and everything of the gods, because you have them that they've collected all of this power as they travel and maybe this is their home base or maybe this is just a, a way station for them. Mm. Maybe they have skipped so far down that that is for all intents and purposes, what they view as their heaven and they can funnel their faithful. It's just like, all right, let's, let's take you there. And it's just a whole different existence. Whereas for them, they know that maybe the God blob is coming and they're like, um, this realm doesn't really matter that much, but uh, it was fun while it lasted guys. Peace. Oh, and then the god is gone. And, and the I mean, that even makes more exciting stories of where you can have everything that we just said. It's just like, hey, this is day three. The gods have left. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Some kind of a, the gods know what's happening and so they decide to leave. Yeah, they could have a rapture-like moment where they're like, hey, we're, uh, we're taking those of you that we like and that we view as faithful because we feel like you'll be a really good uh, thing to bring over to these other planes of existence or maybe i'll absorb you into me because you're the faithful you've matured now boom i'm a little bit stronger but uh you you uh, fuck you 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 stay here and get eaten by the oh, god wow. mob wow, wow yeah that's that's that there's there's a lot of implications here it, it would also explain why sometimes rituals or gods don't act because uh they're gods but their perception is split through the multiverse of a million times and maybe they're doing something and it's just like, what do I care if there's a starving child on one of my planes? That's actually really interesting. I, I, I think that allows us to kind of have a more living, breathing, heartbeat type thing to that magical system that's tied directly into the gods. Yes, the gods are there, but they're also paying attention to literally billions and bil billions and billions of different multi-universes. I think that's actually... It that makes them slightly jaded. Yeah, not just jaded, but also like, hey, sometimes you got to get, maybe it's all about getting your God's attention sometimes. Maybe that's what the ritual is actually about. It's like, hey, look, we gathered all of these rare materials. It's this particular day because we know that you nap. And so if you nap during this time, then you're not going to help us. So, okay, now this is the prime time to get this and we have all your favorite things. So please pay attention I'm to I'm just us. picturing a God running over it. Just like, oh shit, my phone was on silent. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, so my schedule's freed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I like that a lot, actually. I think that helps us build into the. It, into it the magic unifies them, well. it allows them. It also brings back the question that uh, I've been thinking myself are the gods just different types of creatures? Because I do like gods displayed as that. Like, they. Yeah. Where, yeah, they're divine, but they're also. They can be killed. They have fears. Yeah, no, that, I, I like that as well. I think that when you, again, if we're talking about the Marvel 
cosmology, when you're thinking about eternity, when you're thinking about Galactus, these are what we would perhaps perceive as gods, but we all know that they can be killed. We all know that they can be fought. We all know that they can be reasoned yeah, with. Yeah, maybe a god pack becomes the beyonder. Or maybe... <laughs> Or maybe you become so powerful through other god packs that you can just walk to another god and bully it or threaten it. And then now you are almost at the level of a god yourself because that's what we get into in fiction, right? Where we mortals ascend to godhood, essentially. And part of that might be just discovering the trick of skipping through the planes. That's, that's a, oh, wow. That's actually a pretty interesting point. You just need to stake your claim somewhere out in the uh, the long. Well, what is the name of our planet again? I actually forgot. Holy shit! We don't have a name for the planet. We don't have a name for the planet. We don't have a name for the planet. We don't have a name for the realm. That's Damn all gonna it, get. Man. Tell you what, actually, we don't have a name for the planet yet. So let's throw up a poll or let's throw up a, a thing. We'll we'll throw. I'm gonna make this. Don't official. make it a poll. It's just gonna become Dick World or exactly. uh, Planet McPlanet Face. Exactly. Okay. So here's the thing. Every for episode, I'm gonna give this two episodes. Okay. So episode twelve, we what we whatever you send in as an email for a name, we will pick the best one and the we will of use Hitler that. Did nothing wrong. Oh no, no, none of that. Absolutely. This is none what of that. the internet does. I, I'm aware, but that's why I said we are going to pick the best one. We won't read the bad ones out on the on the podcast, but yeah. If you have a name for us, for this realm, for this world, go ahead, send it to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. And we will pick the best one. And then guess what? You will have made podcasting history with us. Yeah. We'll also possibly pick it on the Reddit post when we do that. Yes. On. Also, we will give you full credit. Don't don't worry about it. It's Although it's not going to be like blah, 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 TMCR, whatever. It's not going to be like that. The realm of helpful hunk. Oh, I would actually wouldn't mind that at all. He's He, was, he made a great comment. <laughs> Getting back to it. I like where we're going with the cosmological scale. I think that, man, yeah, that that actually, there's a lot of really cool, interesting ideas that we can kind of mess around with. Because I really like the gods of, like, Stargate and everything where, like, the veil gets lifted and they're like, oh, they're just, they're just normal beings. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's part of the fun. And now it, it turns that god blob that's just absorbing world after world into something that can be reasoned with and defeated eventually Mm. now which hero which maybe it's going to take an inter inter universal you know kind of coalition Mm. but that's again that could be eons from now and we don't have to worry about that that's a a whole different thing one of the other things uh besides planes because i feel like planes are somewhat solid or at least uh I think that we're at a good place with yep. the planes, so we can keep it moving. Undead. How do they work? So we had touched lightly on liches and how a divine heart sits in them rather than any arcane ability. They have literally stolen the power from a god or something. Right. So how does that work exactly? I like to think that uh, they are officially robbing the power or the the faith or divine essence of something that is then fueling through them. They're not, they don't have the powers of gods themselves, but they're 
channeling just that soul aspect of where they don't know death in, in my eyes did you have something in in mind for your lich your god liches your demi liches you know as as excited as i was for liches i actually thought a lot more about the multiverse stuff than i did liches this week oh. Yeah, so I'm glad that you kind of have an idea because I really, I, I think that it's something that we'll have to think about a little bit more. I just don't know where what to do with it because I love the idea of a divine lich, of something that is you know, mortal, but relies on a phylactery, something that brings it back over and over again. And I think that with the idea of the God heart, I think it's very difficult to, oh, wait a minute. What about what about the idea of subjugating Godheart? So it's not a matter of stealing its essence or what have you, or maybe it is in a certain way, but maybe there's some kind of a ritual or some kind of a, a failed coalescence that can happen or, or, or something like that where, and, and you'll excuse me if I ramble here because I'm just kind of spitballing, it's not a matter... So we, we've talked about empires and gods subjugating other gods. Is this something perhaps that we can do here? Where it's a matter of... A mortal subjugating a god? Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't actually like... I, I don't know how he would have gotten enough power to do that in the... Right. But I could see maybe some sort of... Oh, we were we were talking about this earlier about and and I I was talking about it to you. Uh, God pact of where the only power is not knowing death. I oh. would, all it would have to take is my God. The idea that I had for the God pact was very powerful, very uh, interwoven circle of maybe like ten people who just don't know death. Mm -hmm. They bring each other back, and. They, they worship death, but they kind of just kind of perform the rites. They go through it. It's a respectful thing. Sure. And then they come back. Yeah. So so now we're talking about liches who are just, they're essentially just ascended God-packed or God-packed people. Correct. But in my, the 10 that I had a mind for were, I didn't view them as liches or evil. They were just kind of walking the earth. Deathless, yeah. essentially. I like that idea, and now I'm thinking about it, and now we can start to think about the Lich as, this is just, yes, it's a God-pacted person, but they're thousands of years old. And you can also look at that and be like, oh yeah, through thousands of years, through our skill, wisdom, and knowledge, and power, we have gathered all of these relics. And so now you have essentially these super kitted out people, and they don't need, you know, God powers or anything like that because they've gathered all of these relics together and they're essentially in power armor, so to speak, magical power armor, but obviously not, you know, it's not yeah. like it's going to be an actual suit of armor. They've transfused their blood with the essence of some sort of God. Not even necessarily that just a matter of like, look, I've got so many different magical items on me. I have the powers unto an incredibly powerful being just because I've, I've gathered and hunted and, and found and searched and, in some cases, killed my own gods in order to forge them into these weapons and items and stuff like that. So I, I think that I think you're smart in keeping it to like 10 and not even necessarily having them be evil. I like that as well. Liches make great villains. Let's let's be real. So do people who think they're good. Yes. I oh, right on both accounts. 
imagine a, a council of 10 liches squabbling over where this empire, that's an empire right there. That is absolutely an empire right there. It is a, it is ruled, but let's, let's make it less than 10 though. I think 10 is a little bit of a too perfect number. Well, you could also do it that there are originally 10. That's what I mean. Why don't we do like the council of eight or something like that? Or maybe less than eight or what do you think? No, no, I would say seven or five, seven or five. This way it can't, they can't really, they can be deadlocked for centuries. What do you mean? So if you have like four, it can be four and four against, it's a tie. That's part of the fun. That's why I wanted to do an even number. So now you're like logged in, you're locked into bureaucracy, right? Deathless bureaucracy. Yeah. And and they're like, I don't care how long this vote is going to take. I don't know death. Right. I, I Yeah, we can wait thousands of years before this legislation goes through. Let's go ahead and let's vote again. Oh, we're going to vote again next year? Sure. Whatever. I've seen 10,000 years so far. Who cares? Blink of an eye. Right. All right. So that's an empire now. We're, we're, now, we're now talking about this is the land of liches or, or the council of... How many you want to do? Six or eight? Let's knock it out now. Six. All right. We have the council of six... They are an empire ruled by incredibly powerful uh, airfingers, liches, who have gathered up knowledge and wisdom and power and relics, and now they're just incredibly got... Yeah, there we go. Bam. Knocked it out. We, unintentionally, just created an empire. Just like that. Yeah. We now have a nation state that we can talk about Not necessarily later. a threat. Not necessarily a threat. It depends on who's kind of, you know, working behind the scenes and everything But I like also that. find it hilarious if part of the problem with this empire is just the plain bureaucracy of it that's that's going to be a part of it i think it's just it's not bureaucracy it's patience and planning i think that's really what it comes down to plus you also have the idea that there are mortals around them who i i think they're going to be the ones who move and shake that empire a little bit more than the liches themselves because the liches are essentially these ancient unknowable weird alien kind of intelligences at this point right yeah cool okay how does undeath work, Christopher? Like undead zombies, ghouls, mummies? For, for example, yeah. Hmm. Because this is the one thing that I'm kind of wavering on because I love the I love undeath. I love undead as villains and enemies, and I want that to be part of our universe. Are there spectral undead? So spectral undead and intelligent undead, I find would have to be created through some sort of uh, process that we already detected with uh, the Lich. Because I feel like n- having the more mortals or more things knowing about what happens next, it just creates an error of where, once again, Planescape. Hold on. I have an idea. What if we loop it back to the beginning of this episode and we talk about, when we were talking about the God Blob, we were talking about Harbingers, we were talking uh, about stuff like that, we're talking about the death cults. Maybe these, maybe these undead, especially the intelligent ones, and perhaps the spectral ones as well. Those are the the harbingers and the scouts and whatnot for this god blob thing. We have a logical explanation for the undead happening, and and the degree of intelligence could just be one of the million eyes of this thing. Exactly. Moreover. Imagine that undeath is a creeping disease of this god blob where it's a matter of this thing is dead 
and now it gets reanimated because just so happens that a tendril of this thing's power touches the realm and corrupts this particular thing. And the harbingers of the god blob, the necromancers, they're the god pact. Oh, okay. That gives them the power. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, okay. I can definitely see that. Yeah. I can uh, and, and that's tie that nicely into a bow. So wow. it explains their powers, explains uh their little minions of whatever the undead or any kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think man, that okay. I, I like the idea that this thing is yeah, I I can totally go with that. And it can be as prevalent or as little as you want because I I I could see it just being like one god pacted thing that's a necromancer and it was just like oh no like have you heard the good word <laughs> well m- more than On that death come to you all <laughs> more than that i think that allows us to take the knob of you know kind of in, in a way kind of tropey undead horde and you can dial it all the way up if you really want an undead horde or you can dial it all the way back down to zero if you really don't want it it all depends on you. And, and the other reason I really kind of wanted to mess around with this multiverse idea is because it allows for every every person who wants to build in this world. Guess what? It's your own canon. You're in an, you're in your own slice of the multiverse. So guess what? All of that that you're creating, it exists. And it exists and you don't have to worry about the canon and everything like that. And you can, of course, the stuff that we make... Oh, we've actually also talked about time period. That could just be also a different slice. Of course. 1500s, 1800s. And that allows us to kind of talk about how we view the God Blob. We need a better name for that thing by the God, than the God Blob. You don't like God Blob? I do love God Blob, but I think it's uh, it, it's also getting a little bit close to uh, Bob Law's Loblog. <laughs> so we should probably... GB! <laughs> yeah. We should Make we should... it non-threatening. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit it's gb it's just very litigious <laughs> um so we now have a reason for the undead planes we, we now have planes we now have the god blob we now have uh we have a yeah i think we have a lot of the major stuff we've we've covered a lot of ground i think the one i feel like if we're gonna name uh the god blob it should be something that no one can pronounce Give it, give it like the Lovecraftian. I I don't want to. I don't want to go that far into it for Aww. for Lovecraft stuff. I don't think it's necessary. I think that we can give you it. Never a really... liked him or the name of his cats. <laughs> My God, I I don't really want to go in there because I think it's a matter of uh, it's a little tropey. Mm. I was I was reading uh I was reading Shadow of the Demon Lord earlier today, which is an RPG by Schwab Entertainment. It's excellent. I actually do really like it. However, the one thing that I find that I kind of rolled my eyes at is there is this town that is secretive and pushes outsiders away and they worship something at the bottom of the lake. And it's like, does every dark set, does every dark setting need some kind of homage to the shadow over Innsmouth? Yes. I, I, I really am just frustrated. Like I, I understand that there's homage but there's a point where it's like, okay, you've seen the Shadow Over Innsmouth thing done a dozen plus times. Please, can we just skip it? At All this right. Point? What if you just made them super welcoming and very nice? It just like, just like undeath is coming, and 
We want to make sure you're ready. That's fine, but I'm t- I'm talking specifically about Shadow of the Demon Lord. Oh. In this sense, I, I, I'm I'm griping over the idea that I'm griping over the fact that there is such thing as too much homage, and I and this brings me back to the God Blob. I want to stay away from that specifically because I don't want it to be another Cthulhu Fatagan, you know, all sorts of unpronounceable or oh, really. I, I don't want it to be that way. I, I want it to be like... Or is it O'Reilly? Ryla. Ryla. Yeah. Although I think I have to take your tongue out if you want to pronounce it properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's that's my thing. I don't think we need to n- give it some weirdo name. I don't think we... I think we can name it some kind of... Well, one of the things that I, I like... I'm, by the way, I'm totally fine with a placeholder name of God Blob for no, the no, time but, being. But I also like giving things the name of what people would name it, not what it... Because I don't think the God Blob and its... Uh, Harbingers are going to be like, hey, nice to meet you. I represent the god of un- unknowing chaos. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, have you thought about joining any death cults? Man, what is that? What's the uh, Oglaf cult where it's like... The flaming skull thing? Where, yeah, it's, yes. it's it's like this symbol is like a, a flaming skull with like nails through its eyes. And it's Screaming like... Screaming eternally. Ex- exactly. That's, that's kind of how I feel. It's like they're the nicest, evilest cultists. But... I don't mind that idea, but what would you call it? Like the God Eater? Like that's I imagine the collapse. The, the collapse. It, uh, wait, what is that? What do you mean by that? Because it's destroying all of the realms before it. Oh, but then the general public would have to know about all the realms before it. Right. I think God Eater is fine for uh, a God placeholder. I'm fine with God Blob. Mm-hmm. By the way, for the time being, we can come up with a better name later. Blob. <laughs> Now, the one thing I did want to go over, we, we've talked about the planes, we've talked about undeath, we've talked about all sorts of other things that relate to the cosmological implications of our world. The one thing that I think that we really should talk about because we're in this realm already, the origins of the universe. How did our particular planet come together? How is it created? How much do we want to go into this, do you think? The amount of detail... Uh, I've always been a fan of uh, being vomited up by a giant turtle. Ugh, okay. So, <laughs> I, I hate you. I, I really <laughs> hate you sometimes. God damn it. Realistically, though, what do we want to do? We want to just it comes from nothing, or do we want to kind of keep it open to interpretation for the time being? I want it to be mysterious. No one's ever gone far enough in either in any of the directions of the multiverse to see something that looks like the beginning or something that looks like the end. Mm. So let's, if, okay. And then do we want to, for, for the human explanation then, or for the mortal explanation where we say, okay, this is how it actually happened. This is what mortals believe. What do mortals believe? Or is it dependent on the dogma of each individual God? I would like there to be a, a constant thing. Otherwise, uh, religious wars would be rampant. True. I, I think that we can kind of have like a similar or like a thread of truth that is woven through each of the gods. You know, I, I think it's a matter of there are certain key points that are hit each time the origin of the universe is given. So story with a little uh, shimmer of truth in it, I would say that things were, were not as nice. And then the gods came. Mm. I like it to think that mortals existed here and 
they were kind of like uh, banging rocks together and everything, and then the gods kind of helped uplift them. Because they were a huge jump start to civilization, which True. would also explain why they congregate into these cities and civilizations. That's true. Mm, okay, so so we kind of see these as these gods came to the humans, essentially. Yeah. Okay, and then what's what made them come from? Or, or do we even want to do some kind of thing like where they believe there's a celestial realm, where mortals believe that there's a celestial realm and the gods saw the the suffering of these mortals and then came down and blessed them all. Is that how we want to do it? I, I, I feel like that could work. And going back to if there is a uh, infinite plane, I like to think that a lot of the gods have picked an area that is far, far away from ever being touched by the uh, god blob. Well, see, I don't think the god blob necessarily started... Or, or rather, I don't think... I think that the God Blob is a fairly new thing. Oh, so it's more of like something that leaked out in one realm. I think it started as a regular God, and then divine coalescence started to happen. And then it... Through other... Maybe it's a failed divine coalescence. Maybe it's a... A very successful one. A very successful failed divine coalescence. But it's something akin to that, where it's a matter of it's spreading out now. Or it's, 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 maybe we're looking at this thing as it's only conquered a couple thousand worlds at this point, right? Out of the infinite expanse. And so we're now just kind of understanding what something that has the power of thousands of gods looks like. I also realize that uh, unintentionally this does, so I feel like since the gods we have established can take people from one area and move them to to another if they wish they can move i feel like this does allow them to give a version of heaven it can be where oh, their wow. place some plane that they view as they they successfully wiped out every other god they are the god of this uh slice that's actually a very interesting idea and that actually ties into another idea that i kind of wanted to come back to where when you die it's not like it might not necessarily be that you just move over by one tick. I'm thinking that you move over to the next space where you don't already exist. So it's it's kind of like oh, oh I, like your soul is here at number like let, let's say anchor point A, and then rather than going to B or C, those are already occupied by your soul already. So it's a matter of, okay, well, J is free. So instead of doing that, you skip from A all the way to J. And now, and now all of a sudden, you're in a very different world. Although, again, your soul never really recognizes it. But your so God... So it's all new to you. Exactly. But, but your God recognizes it. And it can shift and move back and forth between that. And I love that idea. Because now it does, in a, in a sense... Because every every God now has a perfect world for them... And you can send the faithful there. And one thing that we can also talk about, is there then a plane that gods send people they don't like? Like a hell. Yeah. It's basically a hell. Maybe they send them... To, well, I don't think they would actively feed the... Another god or the god yeah, blob. Or the, especially the god blob, yeah. That's interesting. Maybe you just send them to a desolate world where everything's already dead. 
maybe they know enough about it where it's like, hey, yeah, send no, it over. no, not where things every everything's already dead because that they they just go back into the circle really quick. They get put into a a world where things are just kind of shitty. How about a very cold world? How about there's a world where that is separate? Now, oh man, now we're getting into like. Now we're getting into different multi-universes where maybe you can send them to a world that is completely disconnected from the gods entirely, where it is there is no magic whatsoever and there's no interference from the gods. It's just how it works. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot we can do here. There's a lot that we can mess around with. And I think that the multi-universe theory, the reason I like it is because it allows us to you know, be big cowards yeah. and shift and, and kind of retcon and patch note, whatever we yeah, need to. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm going to need just a quick moment to pause and flush my brain because I'm really oh, thinking no. of something. Oh no. That you hate, but this, this is sounding a lot like Tina, the tiny evil. And I if you know have any emails for us, you can send them to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. I think that we've done a really great job today here, Christopher. You're going to cut that last part. I'm cutting nothing. <laughs> You're going to deal with that shame and that cut. No. I like the show. It's okay. I like shit anime too sometimes. I mean, look at Rising of Shield Hero. I I did like a literal 360 on that recommendation. You know, I got unusually excited and I actually wanted to shout out loud, is that a JoJo reference when I was watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine and someone was asking. Is there really a JoJo reference in Brooklyn Nine-Nine? So one of the people has a middle name that's a J and it's just like, what does it stand for? Jacob? Josh? Is it JoJo? And I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> is, is it a JoJo reference? Oh man, I wish it were an actual JoJo reference. That'd be amazing. Alright, Chris, I think we've done a pretty good job kind of breaking down the cosmological aspects of our world. We've given good reasons for why Undeath exists. We've explained how the multi-universe works. Is there anything else that you think we need to break into? No? Awesome. I have been Rob Hilferty, here with the always helpful hunk. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're really giving him props. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. You just have a great name. Ups, it's, it's no, Helpful Hunk is a great name. I know. He, he meets the H requirement. Exactly. It's just so uh, there's synchronicity we'll for this We'll get back to you on the N episode. Oh, 99 ups. Yeah. No, I already have N taken care of. I have a whole list of the things that I call you already, just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, my name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with Chris Prunty as always, and we will see you next time at World Build with Us. Good night or goodbye. <laughs>